Hi, this is Herb Kressel, uh, and this uh, morning I'm joined by uh, Professor Steve Halligan, who is Professor of Radiology and Director of the Center for Medical Imaging at University College in London. Welcome, Dr. Halligan. Hi, hello there. Uh, Dr. Halligan and his colleagues uh, authored a uh, fascinating and I believe important study looking at the uh, relationship of patient choice perceived benefits versus harms. The title of the manuscript is Detection of Extracolonic Pathology by CT Colonography, a Discrete Choice Experiment of Perceived Benefits versus Harms. And I must say, when I sort of read this study, Dr. Halligan, uh, I was uh, very struck by it. Uh, a lot of the conventional wisdom has uh, described patients as sort of being subject to the harms of unnecessary repeat testing. And in my own experience, in my days working in hospital administration, uh, patients, donors, board members, all seemed far more interested in reducing the possibility of missing something than they were concerned about the harms of additional testing. So I found the fact that you studied this issue in a structured uh, fashion, uh, as well as the results you obtained, of great interest. So uh, tell me, I, I know your group uh, studies uh, uh, CT colonography a lot. What was actually the rationale for doing this study? Um, thank you. Well, the, the rationale basically goes back to uh, some issues we had around the analysis of CT colonography studies uh, when using computer-assisted detection. And um, we were um, trying to use ROC, uh, AUC uh, as a primary outcome measure, and we're having difficulty with this. And, and one of the things that emerged amongst many while we were having this discussion was how um, the consequences of false positive and false negative, uh, the clinical consequences of those diagnoses differ in terms of their importance to doctors and to patients. And so we did some work um, very specifically aimed at uh, how patients and doctors weight uh, uh, false positive and false negative um, uh, diagnoses of uh, colon cancer and polyps by CT. And while we were having this uh, discussion, um, it emerged, it may have been my research fellow, the, the first author on this paper, um, mentioned, well, this is quite similar to how patients might balance the detection of extracolonic uh, abnormalities today, you know, because you've got a similar trade-off there. Um, you know, uh, you might find something or you might find something that ultimately proves to be of no benefit. And so we got talking around how patients and, and doctors might weight those um, uh, differences and those possibilities against one another, and then that ended up uh, being a separate study, which is the one here. So uh, tell us a little bit more about the method you actually used. Uh, what is a discrete choice experiment? Many yes, of our readers may not be familiar with this. Yes, uh, discrete choice experiments is something that have originally started in, in health economic uh, uh, analyses. Now, I work quite a bit with health economists, and it sort of bled over into uh, health psychology, and I work with a lot of health psychologists as well. So, so I've you know been exposed to this sort of methodology, and it, it basically centres around the fact if you if you simply ask patients a set of uh, individual questions, do you do you want a, a sensitive test or do you want an insensitive test? Do you want a test that hurts you or do you want a test that's comfortable? Inevitably. Uh, what you end up with is the, the patients 
and doctors want the cheapest, most comfortable, most sensitive test. And that's really not at all what happens in real life. In, in real life, you're usually balancing those attributes against one another. And so what the discrete choice experiment does is it, it bundles different attributes together in one scenario, uh, varies the level within the experiment of one of those attributes, and then what you end up with is a what's called a tipping point, which is a point at, at which the patient or the participant will trade one attribute for another. Mm -hmm. so, so, for example, you know, here we're balancing, the experiment's balancing um, uh, detecting extracolonic uh, cancers against harms from investigation of, of, of ultimately fruitless pathology. I see. Now, you, you in your study, uh, the way you uh, accrued uh, subjects is you asked potential subjects if they'd be interested in participating uh, while they were in the midst of scheduling an unrelated ultrasound exam. Do you think this could have introduced some bias as these subjects uh, likely had some pre-existing health concerns that led them to schedule the ultrasound in the first place? And that's an interesting point because one of the things that we've learned from working with our health psychologists is that if you're interested in colon cancer, for example, don't ask people who've got colon cancer about it because it, it, it becomes the most important thing in their life. And it's then their responses become unrepresentative of, of, of you know, uh, what, what the general population think. So we were very careful to, to um, avoid patients who were coming to hospital because they might or have had colon cancer. However, because of the complexity of the experiments, um, you know, they're not an easy thing to, to comprehend. It's certainly not by post, uh, postal uh, survey. And because of that, we wanted to engage patients face-to-face. -face. So we decided we, 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 you know, the best way of getting those is to, is to meet patients in hospital. But at the same time, we excluded those who were coming for examinations related to colon cancer to try and minimize that bias that you speak about. Thank you. Now, uh, what actually happened? What did you do once the subjects arrived uh, at, at the hospital? Well, they, they previously, um, because of ethical issues that we have here in the UK and probably in the US, um, people have to have at least 24 hours to consider participation. So they'd been contacted in advance. Okay. Um, and, and asked whether they would like to help and would they consent and sign a form. So uh, we knew that there were a group who were coming who were uh, interested in participating, and they were met by um, one of a number of uh, researchers. We had a, we had a radiologist, a, a centre administrator, a health psychologist, for example, uh, and they um, sat down with the patient, explained what was going to happen, and then presented a, a laptop uh, multimedia presentation to them about uh, colon cancer, uh, about cancers that might be found outside the colon, about screening and about the technology CT colonography, so that they had a, an understanding of the context in which the experiment was, was going to be performed. And then we, we um, explained what the experiment was and ran through some sample scenarios for them, um, and, and they, they because it was face-to-face, -face, they were able to ask questions directly and, and, and express uncertainty. Now, uh, I think the scenarios appeared uh, somewhat complex. What was the educational level of the participants? Did you think that many had any difficulty in actually understanding the scenarios as um, presented? That, that's an interesting point. I mean, the, the 
they were unselected in as much as we didn't select for um, educational background or anything like that. Um, and um, we were selecting patients. And of course, another uh, portion of this study was was performed on healthcare professionals uh, requesting colorectal testing. And of course, when we when we did the subsequent analyses in terms of educational level and household income and all this uh, all these sorts of metrics, then the uh, healthcare professionals were on average of higher educational um, uh, background. Um, what we did do, I think it, it, you're absolutely right, it, it, these are difficult experiments to, 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 to comprehend. So we did some piloting. And in, in fact, the first iteration of, of our study combined, there were, there were two discrete, discrete choice experiments, I should explain. Um, one that looked at the consequences of uh, radiological testing uh, to try and follow up extracolonic pathology or potential pathology, and one which involved surgery and biopsies you know, sort of mm-hmm. nastier tests. And what we found when we piloted uh, the experiment was that members of the public found it quite difficult to comprehend those two scenarios together. Okay. So we split uh, the uh, experiment into two, uh, dealing with those two scenarios separately. And, and that's, I think that's the major thing we did that, that helped increase comprehension. Um, it, it's always very useful, I think, to pilot your intervention, Absolutely. your experimental intervention on patients. So uh, what did you actually find? What were your key results? Well, we fa- I mean, we had a hint that this would happen, but I think we were surprised by the extent. What we found was that um, patients and healthcare professionals were very willing to trade the, um, uh, the consequences of uh, fruitless, if you like, um, follow-up of extracolonic abnormalities in exchange for the, 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 the potential detection of something important, mm-hmm. i.e. they were less con- concerned about inconvenience and having to turn up the different tests that may have been painful. They're unconcerned about that um, when faced with the possibility that you might be able to detect an extracolonic tumour. I see. Now, what about the differences uh, between healthcare providers and patients? Uh, were you surprised at those results? We were surprised in a way. I mean, you, you would predict, I think, um, fair, with fair degree of certainty that um, healthcare professionals would be less likely to trade because, you know, we, we're... And we didn't just use radiologists, we used gastroenterologists, surgeons, nurses, all sorts of people, radiographers. But on average, you're more aware as a healthcare professional of the, of the greater healthcare picture. So you're aware of costs when you're you're aware of, of, of the um, side effects. But, mm-hmm. but what we, so, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that we, we, we weren't surprised that the healthcare professionals were, were less likely to tolerate uh, follow-on procedures than were patients. But what we were surprised about was that nevertheless, the extent to which they were prepared to tolerate them were far higher than we might have anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was. Uh, I, I found that very, very interesting. I don't know if you're aware. There's a recent study in uh, cancer on uh, lung cancer screening that also showed uh, high tolerance for false positives. Uh, yes, absolutely, and in mammography as well. There's a study which we quote in the paper that shows that the average woman uh, would would trade 499 fruitless biopsies. 
uh, in exchange for one additional yeah. biopsy that it detected an additional cancer that wouldn't otherwise have been found. Right. Now, uh, in the paper, you use the term non-traders. Uh, tell us about the non-traders. What is their significance, and do you think they actually understood uh, the experimental scenarios presented? Yes. Um, non-traders are a well-recognized phenomenon in discrete choice experiments. They, th these are people who will not trade, i.e. they remain fixed on having one of the two scenarios. In this case, um, one of the, the two tests, we were looking at uh, CT colonography confined to the colon and CT colonography um, that also added the ability to look outside the colon. And non-traders decide which one of the two scenarios they like and then they fix on it irrespective of how the uh, converse attribute is, is altered. Um, now, that could be seen as irrational. We had, for example, we had, um, in both experiments, we had a, a question in there that was disguised, but was really a, a question designed to catch out people that were being irrational, where the, the, the chance of death, for example, from yeah. follow-up, was equal to the chance of, of detecting a, a, an extracolonic cancer. So we, we, we did consider it th this, and I think uh, it's a bit difficult, but I think it, it would not be representative to, to just throw these people's data away. Um, they may, well, they clearly hold their belief very strongly, uh, and there may be very good reasons for that. And I think it would be just a, a bit presumptuous to, to discard their data. So we, we kept them in the analysis but we, 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 um, our statistician uh, uh, helped us um, so that their data didn't overwhelm the analysis, if you like. Well, that raises a very interesting point. We're sort of living in an area that's uh, promoting patient-centered care, and uh, it's very dangerous to decide which patient views are reasonable and which are unreasonable. Well, think, you'll uh, find yourself in the newspaper if you... <laughs> If you uh, if you make the wrong choice there, yes, I mean it, it is uh, absolutely patients are increasingly uh, responsible for their own care and outcomes. Now, uh, your study, of course, was conducted in the UK, which uh, congratulations, I'm glad to note, still includes Scotland. Ah, the right result. <laughs> <laughs> now, presumably, uh, the patients were covered by the NHS. Do you think that the healthcare system uh, might have affected the results? Do you think you'd have the same results in a yeah, system with that, that's, a, that's a very good question. Um, I think that would depend on, on high, how, how tightly and how obvious the linkage is between the test and yeah. the testing and what the patient pays. Now, in, in the UK, for the vast majority of people, there's no real linkage at all. Well, there is a linkage. They pay tax and then they get the healthcare system, but the, the, that linkage isn't terribly visible to them, especially at the time that they're in, in hospital. And I guess in the, in, for example, in the USA, that people pay insurance, but once that's done, uh, I would imagine, you know, they feel entitled to, to whatever testing mm -hmm. and care that they, they have. And so there might be a slight difference, but I'd, a priori, I'd guess that, that, that there wouldn't be a big difference. I think you'd still find the same sort of trend if you performed the experiment uh, in the States, for example. Well, it would be kind of interesting because, as you may know, there's like a shift of having more costs borne by consumers, even when they're insured. Uh, and even in the... Uh, 
This year, uh, Harvard University is shifting uh, their benefits package to give an option for a low-cost, high-deductible insurance where the employees have a uh, health savings account so that you, uh, you know, you're spending literally your own money. Uh, and so if you don't spend it, uh, you have the benefit of that. So it would be interesting to redo the study in a circumstance with uh, uh, some more consumer mm. burden. Uh, anyway, uh, which is interesting. I should just, just interject there. We, we did do a, a willingness to pay evaluation where we, oh. we, we basically said to the patients, look, forget everything. Um, uh, how much would you be prepared personally to pay oh, to, for this test? And, um, uh, of course, this is all on the background of they're not really paying. It's a, it's a hypothetical situation. Yes. There's a difference between what people do and what they say they're going to do. But what we found is that, that patients and healthcare professionals were willing to pay. Yeah. And the, the patients, despite earning less on average, were willing to pay more. Huh. I think I think the, the guy in the street is is terribly focused on their health, yeah. and will 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 their belief is they'll pay anything. Right, right, rightly so. Uh, so, uh, of the results that you found, what did you find the most surprising? Um, I I think it was the fact that the the, the healthcare professionals were very closely aligned to the patients, mm -hmm. uh, and very strongly so, especially in the context of of the detection of extracolonic cancer. Um, uh, it, it, I was just surprised. I'd, I'd expected uh, healthcare professionals to, to lag behind perhaps maybe a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, this is all on the background of, because there's a lot of large literature, as you know, on, on extracolonic, uh, the benefits, sure. if you like, of extracolonic detection by, by CT. And, and many uh, gastroenterologists and surgeons, for example, have, and indeed radiologists have argued that that's not a good thing. Right. Um, I think this paper sort of says that as far as people, healthcare professionals looking after patients with colorectal cancer and patients of, in the general population are concerned, well, they are. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, they do think that this is a beneficial attribute of the test. Right. I know that, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about potentially not even displaying the extracolonic detail. So I Absolutely. think that's a very, very important observation. Now, there's a, a lot of uh, uh, ideas come to mind. Uh, what are actually the next steps uh, in this line of investigation for your group? Uh, that's a difficult one because there's a real Pandora's box here, really, because yes. you, you, the more you think about it in this type of methodology, you could start extrapolating it to all sorts of different scenarios. Um, you know, we've done it in colon cancer here. The results are very similar to breast cancer. Um, I'm not aware of any work that's been done in prostate cancer, for example, which is a big deal here yeah. and in the States. You know, the obvious thing to do is turn around and start doing the work there. And, you know, what about cervical cancer, ovarian cancer, and off you go. You mean <laughs> so looking we're, at we're, the we're trying to rein it in at the moment, I think. Looking at the relationship of the kind of uh, the aggressiveness of the cancer and the trade-offs? Absolutely. Okay. Now, uh, you know, I, I really thank you for participating. I, I enjoyed the discussion this morning, and I, uh, I think uh, particularly uh, found this study uh, noteworthy in that we uh, read in the paper so commonly people pontificating about their concerns about the, quote, harms. It's always phrased 
uh, as a, an issue of uh, uh, harming the patient with this added burden of testing, anxiety, and potential morbidity. Uh, but we don't hear what the patients think about this. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, uh, I think this uh, sheds uh, some very important light, and I look forward to further work from your group. Thank you so much for participating. Lovely. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Yep.